This is Parrot Talk. Brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media. RestoringTheFaith.com Good morning. It is Friday, and we are going around the world here on Paratalk. This is Live Talk Radio the way it should be. And it is our Friday morning tradition at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time that we go around the world and talk about all the stories that you might have missed this week. From the obscure to the obscene. It's Friday. I love Fridays. Don't you love Fridays? It's time to go around the world. Welcome back to the program. Mike Parrott here, host of Parrot Talk, broadcasting from the heart of America. And I just love Fridays. I love going around the world on Fridays. It's my favorite thing to do. You are listening to the Crusade Channel, and we are your source for news, talk, and truth every single day, 10 a.m. Central Standard time vivek ramaswamzi he's the um uh, the, the hindu hero or maybe the vegetarian vegan villain i don't know he's walking around in iowa and instead of walking away from these alt left losers he walks with them he engages them language warning and then, and then, they just misplaced people from Russia to go to Donbass region because we have steel plants. And you can see the movies. And the history is long, no doubt about it. But the region, the, but the fact of the matter is, the regions of the Donbass that are occupied no. now are not even represented in Ukraine's government for Do the last ten Ukraine years. Do you think Ukraine should be free? Ukraine should be a sovereign nation. Absolutely. So how is the U.S. How is the but U.S. I also going think to? How is the U.S. negotiate going to negotiate a path to peace that allows Ukraine to come out with its sovereignty intact? Well, what NATO, does that sovereignty look like to you? A hard commitment that NATO will not admit Ukraine. What does Ukraine? that sovereignty look like to you? A hard commitment that what NATO... What does that sovereignty look like to you? Can I answer the question? Yeah. Whenever you're... Tell me when you're done, and then I'll answer the question. <laughs> yeah. Answer the question. NATO will not admit Ukraine to NATO, and should not admit Ukraine to Why NATO. Why not? Because we made a commitment in 1990, and I believe in standing by our commitments, that NATO would not expand one inch, not one inch past East Germany. I understand James Baker told Russia Gordon made a commitment that it would not expand its territory. What I want to say is I'm very glad that young people are engaged Answer and passionate about these issues. So the, the fact the of the matter is, I believe we have to stand our commitments, but the job of the U.S. president is to look after U.S. interests and have a reasonable path to peace. And I think the path that we're on right now is not going to be good for Ukraine. It's not going to be good for America. It is taking us closer to major conflict with Russia 
that is going to be bad for everybody involved. And the people pushing us to do it are an establishment in both parties of people who are making money off that war that is wrong and that will change on my watch. People making money off that war. They're pushing us towards a giant war. Vivek Ramaswamzi says this to uh, some pierced, overweight, ghoulish-looking alt-left uh, 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 losers? Activists? What can I call you? Uh, homosexual? Transgender? What are you? <laughs> oh, man. Uh... Can we go to the view? Are you are you prepared to lose 10 brain cells right now? Liberal co-host of the View, Sonny Hostin, calls Republican Jim Jordan a quote-unquote terrorist and says he terrorized her. Can you survive the next 51 seconds? I don't know. I will just say about Jim Jordan, you know, um, he has been called by his own party, by John Boehner, a political terrorist. He's also been linked to the Ohio State sexual abuse scandal. I testified in front of Congress about something so simple, cameras in courtrooms. He came in late, he looked disheveled, and he immediately was screaming and yelling and terrorized me and the other experts on the panel. And describing him as a terrorist is exactly that. He's a chaos agent and it came out of nowhere and he had no command of the subject that we were talking about, which made it even scarier. So to have him, the thought of him being the Speaker of the House, I think leads to more chaos for this Let's talk about Jim Jordan for a second. Jim Jordan has announced his candidacy for the speakership, he intends to, to seek it. Jim Jordan may be one of the only sort of sane ones in, uh, well, in Washington. I'm not saying that he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Don't get me wrong. Don't misunderstand me on this. I'm just merely saying that Jim Jordan is maybe a few shades, in my view, better than swamp creature, uninteresting, uninspiring, mediocre Kevin McCarthy. By the way, as the weather starts to turn here in the heart of America, my mind goes to the classic Christmas movies. Do you remember Kevin McAllister from Home Alone? It's a, stale, it's a tale of two Kevins. Kevin McCarthy couldn't defend his house, but Kevin McAllister did. But I'm Uh, let's go to CVS because there are scholars involved in crimes all around the country. I know yesterday I was listening to the podcast version of the Mike Church Show, New Christendom Daily. I was listening to the New Christendom Daily podcast yesterday, and I caught the segment where the King Dude was talking about the alt-left communist activist who stood by, watched her partner gets stabbed to death and then started to go fund me for herself for her grieving so that working class people can grieve um but she refused to cooperate with police because she didn't want to identify a black guy she didn't want to identify properly uh who actually robbed the store cbs employee contacted the police about two men who were stealing from the store and a karen in training 
shows up. Ask, um, so I live in the neighborhood, sure. um, and I have come to the CVS very often. Mm-hmm. May I ask why you called the police on those two men? Um, CVS policy dictates that if they're shoplifters, mm-hmm. the exit store with merchandise unpaid for, yeah, we should get the police involved. And if the police apprehend them, mm-hmm. we issue a bond. Okay. So I actually did not elect the first charge. I said, hey, look, I just want them to know they can't come in here anymore because they shoplifted, and I just need them to sign that, and I need my merchandise back. And the officers will and the guy said the same thing. Thank you. It's not your merchandise. It's the store. So you know what happened. Follow my company policy, not your policy, where I can appreciate your concerns. So you're willing to risk someone's life for, what, $30,000 a year? That's There was no risk, in my opinion. Thank you. You have a great night. Thank what is your name? My name is store manager. No, what is his name? No one's going to tell you my name when you're sitting here videotaping us so that you can try and elicit some sort of violence against you. It's not going to happen. Elicit violence against you? You just elicited violence against two black men by calling the police on them. You just elicited violence on two black men by calling the police on them. You called the police on them and that elicits violence to them. You should have just let them take what they needed and go. It's not your merchandise, Mr. Manager. You're just a manager. You're just a store manager. It's not your stuff. Why would you have any investment in what the stuff is? Why would you even care? Why would you even put yourself out there as, as, uh, as having any interest in the merchandise, the inventory sitting on the shelves at all? Incidentally, while she's dead wrong... About placing the two black men in danger. They placed themselves in danger when they flouted the law. When they decided to become thieves, that's a dangerous lifestyle. They put themselves in danger. We all know that. But here's the insight that you listen to Paratalk for. She's 100% right. She is 100% right. CVS is a huge... National, multinational, conglomerate corporation, probably Fortune 500, publicly traded. This is a corporate entity. Who cares about the corporate entity? It's not your neighbor's inventory. It's not your fellow parishioner's inventory. It's inventory that belongs to some inventory management system run by some inventory manager some faceless, nameless goon sitting behind some cubicle somewhere in India in a job outsourced for slave labor, cheaper wages overseas to bring you the garbage sitting on those shelves, the contraception, the seed oils, the sodium benzonite, the food dyes. The high fructose corn syrup. All the poisons that the New World Order can possibly imagine. Half the stuff in there is banned in Europe. You can't even sell it. It's so disgustingly poisonous. And this ponytailed guy with two masks on calls the police when two guys are rummaging through his uh, store taking whatever they'd like. He was right to do so out of justice and the law, but she is absolutely right. He has no 
standing in the store. He has no investment. He has no ownership stake. It's not his stuff. This is what happens when we allow corporate entities to have personhood. This is an invention that we came up with right after the Civil War. When we accorded personhood to corporate entities, and we allowed corporate entities to own things, to live. And they are presumed to be alive for eternity until somebody who owns them shuts them down and says, pronounces them dead. It's called a going concern. You have a going concern up until the point that it's pronounced dead. You have a death sentence on the entity. Nobody's really invested in anything. The few own most of everything. CVS, very likely their largest shareholder is BlackRock. I don't even have to look it up. I know it's probably true. Who else would be wanting to distribute narcotics to Americans? Who else would be in the business of drugging Americans into a stupor? And then poisoning them in their food while you're at it. Go ahead and pick up some poisoned food while you pick up your poisoned pills. She's absolutely right. Mr. Manager has no real personal investment in what's on the shelves, where it came from, what it's doing to his customers. He might not even live in that community. This is capitalism at its finest. This is the kind of stuff that Sean Hannity would defend. Remember when Hannity was defending Jeff Bezos during the lockdowns? Well, he's delivering a good and a service to everybody that everybody needs right now because you're locked down and, and you need to stay home and stay scared and just shop on Amazon. And good, good for him. I hope he makes a bajillion dollars at Amazon. This is cucktard, cuckservative at its finest. And you know what? There absolutely is a massive amount of common ground between the right and the left in this country. And it's called populism because both sides are fed up with this corporate America that we live in where corporate interests trump individual human freedoms. And she's right. This guy making $30,000 a year, why does he care if anyone takes anything off the shelf? He's going to get paid his hourly wage no matter what. He doesn't own the stuff. He didn't buy it. He didn't order it. He didn't stock it. It's just there. And all he's there to do is sell it. He's a caretaker. He's a hireling. He is a hireling. We don't have small business in America. I say this as a small business owner. We really do not have small business in the USSA. Hillary Rodden Clinton is back. And she goes on a crazy unhinged rant about MAGA on CNN. Why is she on CNN? Uh, and we had very bitter battles over all kinds of things, gun control and climate change and the economy and taxes. But there wasn't this little tale of extremism waving, you know, wagging the dog of the uh, Republican Party as it is today. Mm -hmm. And sadly, so many of those extremists, those mega extremists, um, take their marching orders from Donald Trump, who has no credibility left by any measure. 
he's only in it for himself. He's now defending himself in civil actions and criminal actions. And when do they break with him? You know, because at some point, you know, maybe there needs to be a formal deprogramming of the cult members, but something needs to happen. And how do you do that? Because you said you have to defeat them by defeating their leader. Their leader right. is Donald Trump. Even you have said that you expect him to be the Republican nominee. How does this change at all? At this point, I think, sadly, he will still likely be the nominee, and we have to defeat him. And we have to defeat those who are the election deniers, as we did in 2020 and 2022. Um, and we have to you know, just be smarter about how we are trying to uh, empower the right people inside the Republican Party. You know, Nancy Pelosi had a majority of five votes when she was speaker. Kevin McCarthy had a majority of five votes. Nancy Pelosi passed consequential legislation. And she clearly had members within her caucus who, you know, ranged across a spectrum of political beliefs and ideology. And she kept everybody together. And she kept everybody focused on the future. Mm -hmm. He couldn't do that. And so he paid a price, but more importantly, the country paid a price. And so w when you see another matchup between potentially Trump and President Biden, what goes through your mind, and particularly how do you process that this person who defeated you back in 2016 is still at it, given all that you've said, 91 indictments, you know, civil fraud, sexual transgressions, according to the courts. How, how is this still happening? It's a classic tale of uh, an authoritarian uh, populist uh, who really has a grip on the emotional, psychological uh, needs and desires of a portion of the uh, population. And the base of the Republican Party, for whatever combination of reasons, and it is emotional and psychological, um, sees in him someone who speaks for them. And they are determined that they will continue to vote for him, attend his rallies, wear his merchandise, because for whatever reason, he and his you know, very negative, uh, nasty form of politics resonates with them. Maybe they don't like migrants. Maybe they don't like gay people or black people or the woman who got the promotion at work they didn't get. Whatever the reason, you know, Make America Great Again was a bid uh, for nostalgia to return to a place where, you know, people could be in charge of their lives, feel empowered, say what they want, insult whoever came in their way. And that was really attractive to um, a significant portion of the Republican base. Uh, so it is like a cult. And somebody it's like has a cult. to break the uh, you, you have to break, break the that cult. momentum. And that's why I believe Joe Biden will defeat him. And hopefully then that will be the end and the fever will break. And then uh, Republicans can try to get back to we need you know, fighting about issues among themselves and electing people who are at least you know, responsible and accountable. You've got to deprogram the MAGA cults. You, we need a we need a deprogramming, brainwashing. Hillary Clinton out there saying that the only reason people supported and support continue to support Donald Trump is because they hate women, or they hate gays, or they hate black people, or they hate Jews, or they hate whatever. 
hate. It's a party of hate, according to Hillary Rodham Clinton. Now, she lost for the very same reason that she is articulating right now. She called all of us a basket of deplorables. She is attacking half the country once again. This is her basket of deplorables moment. 2.0. She lost the election because she said that the only people who supported Trump were racists and sexists and homophobes. And here she is, now, how many years later? Seven years later, saying the same thing. Do you understand that they have such disdain for you? You know, I'm not a sexist or a racist or a homophobe. You know what I hate? I hate usury. I hate fractional reserve lending. I hate the fact that it is nearly impossible today for women to stay home and raise the children in our economy. We are working harder and longer for less. I hate the fact that mortgage interest rates are now at 9%. I hate the fact that a gallon of gas costs $5. I hate the fact that there's been 150% inflation on food items like milk and eggs. None of this has anything to do with black people. None of this has anything to do with faggots. It may have something to do with Jews. Let's just be honest about that. But none of this has anything to do with women. She fundamentally misreads the American voter once again us white people quote unquote we're not angry because we have a hatred for black people we're angry because blacks are killing us in our own streets now with impunity that should piss you off hillary killery you know, she strikes me as the kind of person who would stand by while Slick Bill was just stabbed to death. Like, literally, same body language. She would just stand there and be like, huh, sucks for him. Oh, Hillary. Help me, Hillary. Do something about it. One of them scholars is getting me. Oh, oh he's got me, Hillary. Oh, I'm bleeding out. And she would start a GoFundMe. She would. She would grift that. She would grift the death of Billy Clinton. She would. Help me, Hillary. We need more scholars in the inner cities. Hillary Clinton, help me. I want to read a letter uh, to and you. We had very no, bitter. no, no. I don't want to. I want to read a letter to you. Cardinal Joseph Zen, Bishop Emeritus of Hong Kong, sent a letter to cardinals and bishops warning them about the synod on synodality currently underway at the Vatican. It's a six-page letter. I don't know if I'm going to get through all of it. Dear Eminence, Dear Excellency, I am your confrere, Joseph Zen, from the far-off island of Hong Kong. 
a 91-year-old man ordained bishop more than 26 years ago. I write this letter because, conscious of still being still in possession of my mental faculties, I feel duty-bound to safeguard as a member of the College of Successors of the Apostles the sacred tradition of Catholic faith. I address this letter to you, members of the coming Synod on Synodality, supposing that you are as worried as I am about the outcome of this Synod. Synodality is a rather new term. From its etymology, we can understand that it is a matter of a certain spirit, a conversing together and walking together for the Catholic Church. This term means, quote-unquote, communion and participation in all the terms of the Church in the mission of evangelization. Understood in this way, the theme of this synod appeared too useful as ever actual. The synod will offer the opportunity to clarify how we must live synodality in the church. Now, there is a very re recent document entitled Synodality in the Life and Mission of the Church. It is the fruit of the labors in the years, in the years 2014 to 2017 of a subcommission of the International Theological Commission, whose ex-officio chairman is the prefect of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. The sub-commission completed its work in 2017. The text was approved by the commission in its plenary session of that year and was finally signed by the prefect of the congregation in 2018 with the favorable assent of Pope Francis. This document in its first page begin with the historical fact of synod and council. The meaning of the two terms is convergent. In particular, the Apostolic Council of Jerusalem, Acts 15, and pre-paradigmatic figure of the synod celebrated by the church. The description of the synod in paragraphs 20 to 21 of that document can be summarized as follows. In the spreading of the gospel, a problem emerges. Whether non-Hebrews to become members of the Church of Jesus should pass or not through the circumcision and the acceptance of the Law of Moses. The problem actually felt in Antioch, actually I'd say the problem was felt in, in the Pantioch, <laughs> is referred to the Church in Jerusalem, which in its totality takes part in the development of the Council to solve the problem. Quote, the initial diversity of opinions and the lively discussion in the light of the prophetic word, in the reciprocal listening to the Holy Spirit through the witnesses to his work, reached that consensus and unanimity which is the fruit of community discernment. The apostles and the elders communicated the conclusions of the council to the churches with a letter in which it said, the Holy Spirit and we have decided. In paragraph 5 of the Commission's document, it is said, quote, The novelty of the term synodality demands a careful assessment of its theological significance. End quote. In paragraph 7, it is said, quote, What a concept of synodality point to the participation of the whole people of God, the concept of collegiality express with precision the theological significance of form of exercise on the ministry of bishops through the hierarchical communion of the episodical college with the Bishop of Rome, end quote. A little later, it says, quote, Every authentic manifestation of synodality with very nature demand exercise of the collegial ministry of bishop, end quote. 
In its second part, the document proposes the theological foundations of this doctrine, which are found specifically in Lumen Gentium, where Vatican II specifies that at the service of the people of God, in which all the priests and prophets, there is an ordained ministerial priesthood that serves the people of God, guiding it with the service of authority. I have been not a little surprised when reading the wordy documents emanating from the Synod Secretariat, I have found very few references to the above-mentioned documents. But there is more. And he goes on uh, for five more pages, talks about novelty, inversion of the pyramid. Uh, he uh, critiques the synodal path. He uh, lambasts Germany, uh, specifically with their revolutionary change uh, on the church's understanding of faggotry. And it goes on. And on and on. I, I don't know if it's legitimate. I don't know if he actually sent it. I hope he did, Cardinal Zen, in his 91st year on planet Earth. Um, maybe. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. But the Synod on Synodality is now underway. When we come back, I want to play for you some Ron de Sanctimonious. And then some Matt Gates <laughs> um, on this Friday afternoon. Oh, it's almost the afternoon, really. Um, here on Parrot Talk, Crusade Channel Live Talk Radio the way it should be. Don't, don't go anywhere because we have Gates to Sanctimonious and maybe a little surprise for you when we come back. Oh, it's still Friday. I just checked the clock. It's still the 10 a.m. Central Standard Time hour. And this is still Paratalk here on the Crusade Channel. And this is still live talk radio the way it should be. Welcome to Around the World Friday. So glad you're here. Broadcasting from the heart of America. Every single day, Monday through Friday. The best show at 10 a.m. on the Crusade Channel. There are no other shows at 10 a.m., by the way. And so, definitionally, that makes us the best. I tell my four-year-old son, you're my favorite four-year-old son. the world ladies and gentlemen we got to do it we've got to go around the world today it's time 
for your favorite segment. It's time for your favorite Friday segment here on the Crusade Channel. All right, I, I promised you that you would get some desanctimonious. Here he is. Uh, a voter that goes to 10 rallies, their vote counts the same as somebody that's unenthusiastic and then goes and votes. And, and we just have to understand that. And people will act like 2020, they're like, you know, Biden was, was such a disaster. But here's the thing, I don't, think, I don't think anybody voted for Biden, okay? They were voting against Trump. That was why they did it. I mean, let's just be honest. He, and he energized Democrats. You could have John Kennedy walk through the door right now and he wouldn't energize Democrats as much as Donald Trump does. That's just the reality. What did we do in Florida with these Democrats? We defeated these Democrats. We left the Democratic Party in Florida in a pile of ruins. They're dead. In fact, if you look, if you go back 2019, 2018, the, or 2019, 2020, the Democrats had like 300,000 more registrations than we did as Republicans. And partially because of we, our leadership during COVID, that really started to change. So by the time I got uh, reelected in November, we had 300,000 more Republicans than Democrats. And we never had more R's than D's in Florida history. We did that with me being governor. But here's the best part. 300,000 advantage. Today, that advantage is 600,000. We've added another 300,000 advantage in one year. I mean, are you kidding me? Yes. Uh, Rhonda Sanctimonious there teeing off on Trump. Some of his most sharpest attacks most sharpest. English is a second language for me, by the way. I learned to talk Texan first. Um, English English is, is, is a very difficult language, by the way. Um, we, we, we have some words that are Latin, some that are Greek, some that are German, Teutonic, some that are Hebrew, it is just a very difficult language. It really is. Um, so don't fault me for messing up my own language. We need to get a British person on here to correct me every now and then. Um, so Ron DeSanctimonious sharpening his attacks on Donald Trump, basically saying that Donald Trump was a more potent motivator for Democrats than John F. Kennedy. He said John F. Kennedy could walk in the room right now and Democrats would be less excited to vote than voting against Donald J. Trump. Even if that is true, ladies and gentlemen, even if what Ron DeSanctimonious is saying is true, isn't that sort of an admission of guilt? Isn't that an admission that Democrats are far more afraid of Trump than they are of you? Like, when, they, when these guys go out and try to make the electability argument, I'm the most palpable, I'm the most electable, that's really when they make their most self-defeating remarks. Democrats are way less afraid of me! They're way less afraid of what I'll do to them. Democrats will stay home if I'm on the ballot because they're not worried about anything. 
By the way, I don't call him Ron DeSanctimonious because I don't like him. I don't like any of them. <laughs> uh, to, just to be clear. So I, I'm an equal opportunity political hater. But when these people come out and say, I'm the most electable, you got to vote for me because the Democrats will, they're not afraid of me. You know what? I want the Democrats to be afraid of you. I want the groomers to be afraid of you. I literally want, I, I do, you, you know, these, these melodramatic, hypersensitive, hyperemotional uh, trans faggots running around that are just drinking soy, dripping with soy, soy and uh, mRNA vaccines. When they hyperventilate online and they say, I, I'm feeling unsafe. They're going to kill me. They're going to kill the fags and the Jews. They're going to kill all of us. They're going to they're gonna kill us. We're just not safe. You know what I want? I want that to be true. I want them not only, not to just be melodramatic online divas looking for clicks. I want them scurrying about like rats, running around for their safety. Really, really afraid that the Republican nominee is going to get in and millstone all of them. All the groomers, all the perverts, all the deviants, millstonia. That's what I want. I want them to be afraid. I want them running for their lives, fleeing. Go back to Mexico, all of you Latino faggots. Go back to Ukraine. All of you Zelenskyites, faggots, go away. I want you running for your lives. I want them scared, terrified of what the Republican nominee is going to do to them. I want them to be afraid. Meanwhile, Ronda Sanctimonia is here. Well, they're really afraid of Trump, but they're not afraid of me, so I might win. Well, what does that say about you, Mr. Navy SEAL? If they're not afraid of you, you're doing something wrong. Matt Gates just made a major announcement. What purpose does the gentleman from Florida rise? To place a name and nomination for the position of Speaker of the House. The gentleman is recognized. My friends, when Donald Trump was president, taxes were cut, regulations were slashed, energy was abundant, wages were rising, capital was returning from overseas to fund the dreams and ambitions of our fellow Americans, and the economy was roaring. What a contrast to what we have seen from this administration now. And so I rise to nominate Donald Trump for the position of Speaker of the House. And for all of the vitriol that we hear from the media and at times the left, there were great moments of bipartisanship under the Trump presidency. And the Democrat nominee for speaker knows that well because he led valiantly on the efforts for criminal justice reform and I was honored to join him and I know no matter who's sitting in that speaker chair we got a lot of work to do on that very issue we took a first step but there's a second step and a third step to take and I'm glad that we were able to work with President Trump with Republicans and with Democrats to provide real outcomes for Americans to create greater prosperity and more opportunity I also care deeply about President Trump's focus on our nation's veterans. It seemed for far too long on the campaign trail, veterans were disregarded, 
forgotten about. When we would get elected to office, their issues would not always rise and get center stage, but we were able to pass veterans' uh, accountability measures. We were able to actually get people fired at the VA who weren't doing their job. What a great thing that would be to extend and continue and to continue to nourish. President Trump oriented our views on trade so that we actually put the American people first, not foreign interests abroad or special interests here at home. President Trump knew that we had to confront China, that China had already engaged in a trade war against us, but it was a war that we were surrendering, and so we started to fight back. He stood with our farmers. And on foreign policy, we stopped trying to find a new Jefferson, Jeffersonian democracy to build out of sand and blood and Arab militias in the Middle East. Matter of fact, President Trump, I believe, is the first president in my lifetime that didn't start any new wars. This is an issue that I know unites some elements of the right and left for the benefit of our communities. Will the House be in order? This government for far too long has been deeply corrupt. This town has been deeply corrupt. The way people get leadership positions and chairmanships and opportunities to be able to morally preen has been by accepting lobbyist and special interest money and redistributing that money as currency for favors. And that is not a criticism of, of either political party. It is a criticism of what we have allowed to happen in this place. And if we just go next man up on our side of the aisle, we will reify that corrupt system and we will abandon the people who are expecting us to fight for them. I have heard from my colleagues about all the important work we have to do and it is my sincere fear that if we were to allow Mr. McCarthy to assume the speakership, that would not get done. That it would be business as usual and the very same things that have paralyzed progress for both parties would continue to shackle us to never-ending failure. We can be better than that. We can raise our gaze indeed. We also have to restore to the Speaker's office, an actual person that ought to be in the Speaker's office, not the squatter who is currently there. And if the architect of the Capitol is listening, I sent a letter and I would like to know what the basis is to allow somebody to occupy the Speaker's office who comes in second place 10 straight times. Is there like some basis in law or rule or precedent for that? And so I nominate President Trump because we must make our country great again, and he can start by making the House of Representatives great again. <laughs> Matt Gates nominating Donald J. Trump for the Speaker of the House of Representatives. You don't have to be a sitting member of Congress in order to be the Speaker, ladies and gentlemen. Anybody could be Speaker. Yours truly could be Speaker. Man, I would love that job. Actually, I don't think I would. I really don't. I would I would be the short-lived speaker. I'd be the one that they would uh, vote the no confidence in pretty quickly. I would have the vast majority of the Republican Party voting me out if I were uh, if I were the speaker of the house of representatives. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this has been a great week. I want to leave you with some I wish you could see the visuals on this. It's pretty funny. This is from a sitcom that actually played on American television. Goodbye. Have a great weekend. God bless you. Thank you for listening. And enjoy this. Done. I win. Cheryl, it's not a race. That's what losers say. 
What is that? The truth. Every time a new baby is born, the Federal Reserve issues a secret birth certificate printed by a company called the American Bank. That way, the government can use people as currency to back the debt they have with the World Economic Forum, which owns the central banks of every nation on Earth. But the WEF is just a front for the Council on Foreign Relations, which masterminded the 9-11 attacks as a pretext to invade Iraq, take the oil, and install fast food chains to make people slow, fat, and easily abductable by the shape-shifting reptilian aliens it works with. Now. Back in the 30s, FDR made a deal with these reptilians to exchange people for technology. That was the basis of the New Deal. But ever since, they've been slowly replacing all the world leaders to create a nuclear holocaust to make global warming real for their takeover. That's how they made up the Cold War, by sending Laika to space to bite Neil Armstrong while Kubrick was faking the moon landing. Now they're using satellite waves, contrails, and measles vaccines as mind control and fluoridating the water to keep people's gold fillings intact so they can be sent back to, you guessed it, the Federal Reserve where all the gold and birth certificates are stored by the real puppet master, the world monarch, who is himself only the servant of the all-seeing eye who controls everything in the world. This is Parrot Talk. Brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media. RestoringTheFaith.com